Damien, hi. Hello. How are you? See you. Yeah, all good. All good. Now, is it Damien or Damo? I don't. I don't mind. Uh, that I didn't used to get that abbreviation until I was at school when there was a Damien came into Home and Away, and of course he wasn't. Bit you know that being an Australian soap, he wasn't called Damien because that's too much of a long word for Australians. Uh, and I'm allowed to be a tiny bit, um, a tiny bit. Uh, I don't know if that's racist or not, but I'm an Australian citizen as well. So I'm allowed to say stuff like that, I think. Uh, and yeah, people started calling me Damo. And then I did go and live in Australia. And obviously no one uses yeah my full name there. So uh, don't mind either. Okay. It's the, okay, the shorter version. <laughs> um, so, okay. Something really important there then. When the ashes is on. Oh, England. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. There's no, yeah. And in fact, yeah, that, that's kind of what I say to some, and I did an Australian podcast the other week and, and I said, Oh, by the way, I'm an Australian citizen, ex except when the ashes are on. That's, um, and I was down there in, um, I'm not a huge cricket fan, if I'm honest, but when the ashes are on, I do follow that. Um, but I was down there when we first beat them for a long, long time in, mm. what was it? 2017 was it? Or 2015? Uh, no, sorry. 2005 or 2007. Um, Freddie Flintoff and all of that at Trent, was it Trent Bridge or something? Uh, yeah, that was very exciting. That was very satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. So, are you are you a cricket fan? Not massively. <laughs> no, uh, football's always been my my thing. But um, I suppose, like a lot of sports generalists, I suppose you know sometimes I'll get into a rugby World Cup or, or sometimes a cricket, maybe a cricket World Cup or 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 an Ashes. The Ashes is has got something. Um, special about that long rivalry but yeah football I'm really really into football really really into running and everything else is a bit of a what do you call it um you're a bit of a I'm a bit of a dilettante or a tourist uh, really in truth okay so who, who do you support football wise uh the glorious gunners and and I know it's not um not it's sort of not okay to have two teams but uh Oh, it's a long story, but where my parent, where I did most of my growing up was actually um, Nailsworth in Gloucestershire, and their their football team have got a lot better, and they're called Forest Green Rovers. Mm. Um, and they're in the League Two. For people who don't know, that's kind of the fourth the fourth tier. But they were when I used to live there, like about the seventh or eighth tier. So they were horrendous. Um, <laughs> and I played very very briefly for their um, youth team. I say I say briefly because. Uh, yeah, two substitute appearances right at the end of the season when when they were really short of players. Um, I went along to training pre-season, wasn't good enough. Um, and But also what's wonderful about that club is they've become, I, I don't know how much of this you know, but um, their owner is a, is a green energy magnet uh, and D Dale Vince and he, um, he and he's a, a vegan and he's turned the whole sort of club you know, the, all the catering at the stadium is vegan. Um, the, the club uses as much sustainable energy as possible. Um, um, and they're, they're trying to build a new stadium, actually, that will be totally sort of uh, all wood. And, and oh, yeah, they're verified by United Nations as, as the world's first, I think it's climate new, I forget the exact phrase, but climate neutral or, or whatever it is. But um, they're a really progressive um, team. And, and I think he... I think he wasn't even a big football fan. It's just that they were in trouble financially. And, and the name, you know, Forest Green Rovers, it's just such a perfect... Um, and, and I think he's quite open that he saw them as a vehicle for his kind of, you know, green, sustainable, vegan ideas. And, and um, you know, it's quite elsewhere in football. Again, I don't know. Who, who's your team? 
Well, I'm I'm Liverpool. Yuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they're not so bad. <laughs> Although it was very entertaining last season when when it looked like you'd win the league for the first time in in is it five five million years? Uh, and and the season got paused. Um, obviously, I, like most people, I've got some friends who are Liverpool fans, and that that was very, very entertaining. Um, you must have you must have started to wonder if it was a big conspiracy. Um, although maybe we shouldn't go there. Um, but um, I forgot what I was saying. But um, yeah, that must have been in the, an entertaining time for all Liverpool fans. It was. It was, and and it, you know, it's all it's always entertaining, and um, you know, it's cycles, isn't it? So they've had they had a, an amazing. Uh, run and now it's and now it's tricky and now it's tricky but but just going back to the to the the green and forest green and that I mean that's something that's important to you anyway isn't it yeah I'm beginning to wonder now if so, so yeah if I can do a clumsy clumsy plug here I, I've been working on a book that's that's coming out in May and it's going to be called in it for the long run and, and it's you know it's mostly about the running but but there's an element of my I'm a you know I'm, I'm a I'm a sort of bit of a Johnny come lately, but I, I've become very, I suppose, very anxious, very stressed about our climate and ecological emergency. Um, but thinking about it, it, there is something about this part of the country where, you know, Extinction Rebellion were formed in, you know, the same, the same town that I went to school in, Stroud. Um, Glastonbury Festival's down here. You've got Forest Green Rovers is, is near Stroud, um, where I grew up. There is something about this area um, I don't know. I don't really know what it is. Whether it attracts a certain type of people, or there's something here that that um, affects people, or, or might just be you know the, the little green hills of the Cotswolds. I'm not sure, but there's something about this area that, where there's you know a bit of a history, and obviously you know certainly in Devon and so on. Um, there's a lot of yeah. I suppose an alternative, free thinking Bristol as well as another classic example. Uh, there's a lot of places around here that have that sort of, I suppose, independent political thought and, and activity um which is pretty exciting really but i yeah i'm, I'm a bit of a johnny come lately in, in all in truth like yeah my, my parents have voted green for decades my sister has been involved with extinction rebellion um for, for much longer than i have um it just feels fairly normal around here to, to 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 sort of be passionate about those sorts of things but then i suppose yeah like i think anyone who likes the outdoors i was I think you'd be sympathetic towards those causes. I, I'm always surprised when people, you know, outdoorsy people aren't. It, it always seems a bit odd to me. Um, but I, I, I guess probably like a few people, I had a sort of climate change fatigue where you just see so many headlines. You sort of, you don't even really notice them after any, you know, the Arctic is melting. We know that, you know, glaciers are melting, you know, the world's warming. We, we've heard it, you know, time and time again. And you sort of, you just sort of forget. And, and then I, when Extinction Rebellion started doing these wonderful protests in, in London, especially, um, I sort of followed, followed, you know, followed up with them, looked into them, looked into the science a lot more and really was really alarmed at how urgent this stuff is. You know, it really, it, we could see it in our weather at the, yeah, every year at the moment. And um, we've just had a really wet spell again here. I don't know if it's going to break any records, but last year there were, I think at least three record, weather records broken just in Britain, but around the world, just records for wildfires, record for storms across the Atlantic, um, record heat. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the apocalypse isn't, isn't, I don't mean to be too alarmist, but it isn't sort of coming. It, it, it's, it's happening. We're mm. already in it. Um, 
and and people think we've maybe got eight to ten years to really you know really significantly slow global emissions um because also there are there are sort of tipping points it's not it's not like and I, and I am getting into an area i'm not an expert on this but you know i i, I read as much as i can I, i've got some friends who are scientists um once we get these tipping points it's not like you can put everything back like we, you know it's 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 um and it, es it would likely escalate things that we just don't really know. So it's all getting very, very urgent. Um, and I suppose the thing that haunted me is, you know, I've got two children and I just thought, what are, what are the generation after us and, and, the, and, and the generation after them? What are they going to think of us that, that we knew this stuff was happening and we, you know, couldn't be bothered. We couldn't be bothered to, to do enough about it. Um, and then I guess the debate from there is, is it down to us as individuals or is it down to politicians and political parties and corporations? Um, um, and of course the answer is probably, you know, it's down, it's down to everyone, but, but politicians and corporations could, could do a lot more, but we might maybe have to have to pressure them a bit because they're maybe not acting very quickly because it's not in their financial interests in most cases. So um, yeah. Oh, you got me waffling on there. <laughs> that's, that's great. Because, you know, I, I picked up on that in particular because I know that, you know, you, one of your, your recent, and we're going to talk about those in, in more detail, one of your recent incredible adventures was, was carbon negative. Yes. Well, yes, yeah, strictly speaking, what I've done is um, I've gone to a, a sort of carbon. Well, I was beginning to think, OK, what, what can I do? And I couldn't come up with something uh, other than sort of get involved with Extinction Rebellion. And I suppose, you know, email my MP every now and then and, and so on and share things on social media. I didn't feel like enough. So I kind of thought, okay, I'm, I'm an international ultra runner. I'm flying around the world. I'm promoting consumption. Uh, I, I guess I'm promoting overconsumption. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm eating meat. Uh, not, I'm not saying that's, you know, anyone's wrong for doing that, but, but um, there are lots of little lifestyle changes that I've made since. And, and I also thought as an athlete, you know, I'm not being very, well, I'm not being a sustainable athlete um, in that respect, in that political respect. So I got together with a company called Our Carbon, who was sort of gave me like a carbon audit, um, you know, looked at, looked at my lifestyle, um, calculated approximately how many emissions my fa we, we ended up in the end, we, we did sort of my whole family. Although, you know, I did, I did most of the emitting from, 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 from flights, if I'm honest. Um, uh, when did we look at? Yeah, 2019 was the first year we looked at. Um, and so we came up with a plan to sort of improve a lot um, for 2020. Um, and I wanted to make some lifestyle changes too. Some of them were, were guidance with them. Some of them I was already making. Um, I suppose I'm pretty much a full-time vegan now, uh, for example. But also, yeah, definitely cutting down on flights um, was a big one. There are lots of little lifestyle ones all of us can make, such as switch to a renewable energy supplier, which you know takes a few minutes. You can do it online, even save a little bit of money. Um, my wife actually, she took the lead with sort of plastic consumption. And you could say that's a slightly different debate, um, but she really sort of revamped our shopping and, and, and what plastic we consumed and what we bought, um, getting more refills. The, a really good one there is again, there's a company called Milk, Milk and More. I'm pretty sure they're national. Um, and yeah, old, old school milk delivery to, to the doorstep and they do all the non-dairy options as well. So it cuts out all that plastic. I don't think they've, and they deliver us bread, you know, everything we want, um, all the non-dairy options, but no plastic whatsoever. Um, and it's really good. You, know, you can update it the night before, get your delivery in the morning. And during the first lockdown, I mean, that was a, 
that was magnificent actually because when people were panicking about supermarkets you know they were delivering to us still everything we wanted um so that's a good way to cut out plastic um um i forgot where i was going with all this yeah so so our carbon analyzed yeah analyzed roughly it sort of made a plan for 2020 of how much carbon my family would emit um uh, and then i did you know then i did offset that carbon to become carbon carbon negative uh with yeah buying buying some trees with trees not teas um now of course offsetting itself and every aspect of this is, is debated and um it's not perfect is it you know um it's better if i don't create any carbon at all but that's pretty much impossible even sending an email emits carbon um so uh but you know that was progress we cut down i think it was like 16 um tons to about forecast of about 10 tons i think it was um but then of course uh no one else was flying or using transport or doing much all year anyway um so it, it felt it felt a bit unsatisfying actually because we all had lower carbon footprints last year but most likely um but it was still i mean that's another debate in itself and that was that was quite a fascinating year in that respect um but so so we're talking about i suppose yeah when i when i run the penang way in in the summer if i'm totally honest um that did actually encourage more car journeys that, than would have happened otherwise because people were driving to little villages or, or out in the middle of the moor to meet me at, at you know three in the morning um so i've got to be honest about that i'm not trying to say you know it, it would have been greener to just stay at home um but um then possibly you wouldn't be inviting me on to talk to you so it, like it helped create a platform in some ways um and i suppose three little things i did on it which was, yeah, I was in the habit then of sort of fueling without animal products, which is quite fun. There's so much, so much vegan products around nowadays. Um, and then also trying to fuel without creating any plastic waste, which is a lot harder, actually. If you think about, I used to, before I'd go on a long run, I'd just pop to the petrol station on the way, get some crisps and chocolate, uh, the bottle of this, bottle of that, um, and off I'd go. And now you, um, that's creating loads of plastic waste. So it took a load of research, um, uh, but it was good fun, really. And obviously, yeah, Fruit is often, usually, hopefully plastic free, uh, not always, but, um, and, you know, sandwiches and stuff. But, yeah, there are various companies like Outdoor Provisions, for example, who I must admit, you know, do, do sponsor me since then, but they do, you know, compostable wrappers and so on. Um, so there are lots of companies trying hard and it does cost more to do compostable wrappers. Um, but I think, you know, if, if we all sort of support those companies, then that's the way it will go. Um, and the third thing we did, yeah, we picked up, picked up litter as well. Yeah. as we went which again you know waste and you could say it's a separate argument but a lot of plastic ends up in in the ocean kills wildlife um so yes yeah, so i suppose just three little things that could that we did as we went i suppose if you're being cynical you could say yeah but the, the car journeys probably was more probably more emissions than uh than the emissions we saved by doing that It'd be difficult to calculate that but but yeah that that still fit into my overall plan for the year of, of my overall emission. So it was offset effectively. Um, but yeah, I, d I don't think that saved the, the planet single-handedly, but it was, it was kind of just fun to do, you know, like to, you know, can I buy enough products? To, can I fuel myself for two and a half days, you know, buying only products that don't come in real plastic? Um, I think occasionally there were recycled options, but they had to be, you know, properly recycled, curbside recyclable. And, and that was only a last resort sort of thing. Um, so that was quite fun, actually. It was quite fun. It was like it was fun digging around on the internet um, to find these companies, I suppose, because they're they're usually quite small companies. Um, yeah, no, that was good fun. Well, the, and the answer appeared to be yes. 
you know, could you could you feel yourself for that time? And yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's perfectly possible. Um, I mean, vegan chocolate isn't quite as isn't quite as nice as as um, as the chocolate I used to have. And what's <laughs> but I've actually found sort of experimenting in in plant based um, diet. I found it great fun. Um, uh, the, the the common complaint is often the uh, the cheese. Yeah, pizzas aren't quite as exciting mm. as they used to be, but yeah. the cheese it's improving. And um, you're nodding there. Are you, are you do you experiment in those areas? Yeah, I just, did. Uh, so October um, nineteen, I decided to to give give the I, I I try and call it plant based now rather than vegan because. Uh, and I know there's a lot of debate around these things and it's a philosophy and, and all the rest of it. Um, and, and so I don't, you know, wear vegan shoes and things like that. So, so plant-based it is. And, and I did that for a, for a good year. I must admit in the last few months, I have let cheese re-enter and chocolate re-enter. Um, and hard you know, I, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. But how are you with custard then? <laughs> well if i could just go back a little bit actually i i'm speaking to so many people both runners and non-runners who, who have that approach now they won't say i'm vegan or i'm plant-based and i i i don't tend to say that either um but you know they're 90 or 95 percent there and and also it's almost like i don't know if you don't put a label on it um i don't know that's sort of unsatisfying to some people but actually it's 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 a lot easier to kind of live that way without being too strict on yourself and if I'm honest, after the Pennine Way, uh, for those who don't know, you know, it was sort of two and a half days of running, you know, trying to break a record. So quite, quite stressful, quite exhausting, almost no sleep. Um, after that, I had a huge craving for, for dairy. So for about a month or, or maybe even more, um, I, I gave into it and, and you know, I wanted, really wanted yogurt and I think cheese. And um, yeah, I gave into it because I wanted to, above all, I wanted to be healthy. Um, and the other thing I do around my house, I suppose, is at the moment, uh, my wife's doing a great job in sort of cutting those cutting meat down for the kids and, and all of us and 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 sort of sneaking in yeah they're not fooled by the cheese at the moment but kind of sneaking things in for them um it's a good alternative creams and such like um but basically if they leave something you know waste is the worst thing so if they leave something that's got i don't know proper butter on or i i do still eat it because that's worse than just throwing it away but yeah. that doesn't happen that, that probably happens two or three times a week i suppose but um I mean, last last night was tough. They all had a lovely fish pie, actually, and I I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, custard. Well, no, you can get um, dairy free custards now. They, um, my custard problem did develop before before I was experimenting in these areas. But companies like I'm pretty sure it was Oatly um, that I got some dairy free custard for the for the Pennine Way from. And what's great about Oatly is is since then actually they've started on their definitely on their sort of non-dairy milks anyway, they've started putting the carbon footprint. Um, they're the first company that I know of that do that. And I can't up thinking, you know, again, I want to support those, those companies who take that step. Um, you know, they put what the cost is, the carbon emissions, carbon and equivalent emissions, emissions are on that product, which I think is amazing. And I just, you know, I want more and more companies to do that. Um, and then we can make those really informed choices, can't we? Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Have you heard of any other companies doing that? Oatly, the only one I know of so far, but. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I, I use Oatly milk uh, or um, 
and um, I, I'll have to look now. I'll have to. Look. I know that I've seen a lot of they've they've been expanding their their coverage. I've seen you know big adverts in in the press and whatnot, and and I, I like their I like their stuff. Mm. Um, you know, it tastes it tastes good, and it's it's uh, you know if someone accidentally at home um, puts normal milk and makes me a coffee with I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Um, makes you know with no uh, oh, oh, ah. mm. so I've really gone off normal having not having had that for however long. Um, it's funny that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, but I, I yeah, I kind of thinking that approach that we both have really is probably the way the way forward. In that, it always seems a bit dramatic to you know totally cut dairy and meat out like forever. That seems like you know a huge commitment to people as to, people have all eaten differently and stuff, but. If you just kind of think, I'll, I don't know, I'll cut down for a bit or I'll cut that out for a bit or, you know, don't don't make a public declaration necessarily um, much as actually, you know, when I, I coach, I coach uh, my main sort of income is running coaching. And I, I suppose I'm often the opposite with that. I tell people, you know, sign up for the big race, put it on Facebook because then you're sort of committed to it. But um, and that that might work for some people that that, you know, going all in that sudden change might work for some people. But um, I think it's, yeah, totally fine. Totally fine to do it whether it's in stages or, or, or just a sort of 90% commitment, that's still reducing your, you know, reducing your emissions from your food. Um, that's good. Yeah. And it's fun, isn't it? It's fun experimenting with all these, uh, may, maybe not so much the cheeses, although I, do, I, I quite like a few of them, but um, yeah, just all these different, different ways to get protein in and different, different flavors. And uh, the, our kids, we definitely fool our kids with, uh, there's some really good sort of, um, you know, veggie burgers are really good now. Um, we can trick our kids with them quite easily actually that's quite <laughs> that's quite fun one of our favorite things now is to yeah put a meal out and see see how long it takes them to whether they say something or not sort of thing um it's quite good fun <laughs> it is I mean, my kids in a similar way they've got a very high index of suspicion now though um but i always remind my son of how oh the last summer before last how i cooked a spaghetti bolognese using um not meat and um and i didn't say anything at all and i remember him saying during it oh i like this meat uh i like this mince and i said oh well i'll tell you a secret about that when you finished but the problem, <laughs> i probably shouldn't have said anything because now <laughs> they're always, oh dad's dodgy meat and all this sort of stuff and uh <laughs> damn damn it yes but um but there we go but you know fueling so you know so important and um so so thinking now about you know your 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 adventures over you know this this period that's been most peculiar for for everyone and, and tough for everyone in, in lots of different ways but what what was it that made you to decide to do that the sort of sustainability stuff or the or the Pennine way or to do it which one the Pennine way run yeah oh um well yeah we got a fair bit of history i um I hiked it um, nine years ago and, and it, I was actually hiking it because I'd been asked if I would write a new guidebook for it. So, so I, I didn't just sort of hike it. I, I was researching everything about it, reading all the old other guidebooks, um, trying to find out everything I knew about it. So I, you know, I, I, I went in quite deep kind of thing. Um, and, and actually, I think it was relevant that I'd only, I'd only just moved back, back to Britain as well. So it felt like a real kind of coming home mini adventure you know it's just such a british landscape up there even if you know even if there should be trees up there really and more moors aren't really a natural 
a sort of natural habitat. The, the, the trees have been taken down a long time ago, um, but it is still quite a uniquely British landscape. Um, and it did make me, you know, it is quite, it does feel sort of quite pregnant with drama. I think you, when you're up on the moors and the, and the weather's rolling in and um, obviously, you know, with, with the heather turns purple in, in sort of late summer as well and swishing in the wind and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, I think it kind of made me fall back in love with, with Britain in a way, um, or at least appreciate it more than I did when I left. Um, and yes, yeah, so I thought this is really special. I love the history of it as well. And also connecting to the, the mass trespass in, in, in 1932, which was another piece of yeah, civil disobedience that, that changed laws um, ultimately, um, you know, and, and freed up more upland, free, freed up more land for us to go, to go yomping in. E even if, um, I was stunned when I learned this recently, that still 92% of, I think it's England, 92% of England is still privately owned, 92%. Is that um, the Book of Trespass by chance? I think, I believe it is in that. Yeah, I haven't fully read that yet, but um, yeah, that, that's um, ruffled a few feathers or, or at least inspired some people. Um, um, I, I actually, yeah, he gave a talk. Um, I need to watch it. He gave a talk to Sheffield, the Sheffield Adventure Festival, I think is, is currently online and, and they, he's given a talk with them, which I need to watch, I've sort of bookmarked. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it the Pennine Way is a really, really important historically and, and sort of politically as well. Um, and I loved all that. And then I wasn't, I wasn't a runner at the time, but, but you know, over the next few years, I, I, I discovered the joys of, of bimbling uh, long distances and lumpy places. Um, and I did, of course, when I was writing the book, I did hear about Mike Hartley's extraordinary run in 1989. And he had the record. Um, I've looked into that a bit more now. And, and the guy who had the record before Mike Hartley, it took him eight attempts to set the record that Mike Hartley broke and Mike Hartley just sort of swanned up and yeah, he didn't just swan up but it but he you know just took him one go and he, he did it very well um so I was always aware of that record but I never thought I was that caliber that that good um but then for 2016 I sort of set my first sort of running record on the on the southwest coast path and and then of course you you instinctively think what what next and a friend of mine um sort of said oh what about the Pennine Way um but I I just thought that's too, not too difficult in terms of terrain or distance, but the record's too good. I just thought that's such a good record. Um, and it was two days, 17 hours um, for 261 miles. Um, and yeah, it stood, by the time I got around to it, it stood for 31 years. So, I mean, that, that says something. Mm -hmm. But partly it was always on the sort of to-do list, but it would just get bumped down. Uh, I, I was sort of quite nervous of it, so I, I would let it get bumped down. But then lockdown came along, no races. And also um, a friend of mine, John Kelly, who lives over in the next county, he was, he said, oh, I'm going for it. Um, and so I was kind of shamed as, a bit as well into like, I was kind of thinking, I've got all this history with it. And, um, you know, if he's brave enough to just go, oh, I'll give it a go, then then why can't I? And then, and then yeah, all the races disappeared for the year. So I started scheming, yeah, scheming and, and, and planning, um, planning that. Um, and it was all, yeah, it was all very exciting. It was all very exciting and it all went, all went well, thankfully. Well, it, I mean, incredibly well. I suppose, I, su <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose I, yeah. So, so John, um, for those who don't know, John ended up going eight, eight days before me. Um, he was in a bit of a rush cause he had a lot more plans. I didn't have any other plans. I was a bit more relaxed. Um, he broke Mike Hartley's record by 30, 34 minutes. 
um, which to me actually was the perfect outcome because if he, you know, he's an incredible athlete, I consider him to be, you know, better than me at this stuff. And if he hadn't been able to break it, it would have been even more daunting. I think it would have been like, oh, you know, is this record even beatable? But because he broke it, but not by much, you know, it showed it was beatable, but it didn't knock it out of the park. You know, if he had knocked three hours off it, I would have been pretty, you know, I would have been, what's the word, well, daunted or, or unsure whether that was possible. But the 34 minutes just made it seem possible. Um, and so, yeah, I set off and um, was very fortunate. I had an amazing team around me, um, amazing road crew and amazing runners. And um, with all their help, it was a massive team effort. Yeah, we, we, knocked, we knocked three hours off uh, in the end. So that was, yeah, hugely, hugely rewarding and, and, and felt really, really special. Um, although I don't know how public it, I don't know how public it is, but uh, there'll definitely be at least one attempt. I, I believe at least two, actually. I've, I've just heard more, more rumours today of someone else, at least two attempts this year on it. So that, that, that could keep the, uh, keep the excitement going. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about having the record and then what happens next? <laughs> yeah i mean there's this whole what's incredible about the scene in this country i think is that um yeah often you see people you know previous record holders turning out to see record you know to help people trying to break their records um that's happened quite a few times um where you know where possible uh and there's the wonderful culture of that um but yeah i'm honest i i don't want someone to break my record <laughs> i i really quite like it and um <laughs> but at the same time um you know john's a friend and you know if he's going to go for it and it's you know and it suits you know and i can get up there easily um i'd be willing to willing to help him but i'll be conflicted you know i'll want to help i won't i'll be honest i'm not going to try and sabotage it or anything but i won't really i won't really want him to if i'm totally honest um yeah. i think it's i think you can do both at the same time i've seen other people do that um um yeah it's a curious one um definitely i've heard nikki spinks sort of say yeah she doesn't like she doesn't like it when she, people break her records um and i must admit i had this did happen to me last year i set three records but I, I i lost two um one of them uh i was expecting to lose for a long time it was the paddy buckley round i was sort of expecting to lose it because i know it's not that strong but i wasn't sort of watching someone i didn't know they were doing it at the time till afterwards um, but the other one was the Southwest Coast Path, and that takes sort of ten and a half days. Mm. And I did chat. It was Christian Morgan who broke it, and we did have a chat beforehand, which was you know really really nice of him. And, and but you're you're watching it for like ten days, and and I was trying to think what that is like. Um, and I don't know if this is a bit silly or not, but in my book I put that it's sort of um, it's a bit like someone watching someone burgle your house um, in in sort of in slow motion, and you can't do anything. Um, but that that's the closest I could get, but that doesn't, it's obviously not really your house. It's just a thing, isn't it? It's, a, it's out there for anyone. It's not really your possession, but after a while you get, you sort of start to think it's your thing, you know? Um, but really, you know, it's not, it's not. And um, you know, it's for the good of the sport, that the, these things, uh, these things get beaten and it gives them credibility. Like the more people go for a particular record, I think the more credible it is really. I mean, that's why the, partly why the Bob Graham is, is our number one. And, and it's possibly it's the number one in the world in the, um, in terms of like trail off off road off road and track running because well over two thousand people it's probably close to two and a half thousand people now have, have done a bob completed a bob graham possibly that, that many 
as well again have attempted it um they wouldn't have all been going for the record but you know that many people have done it i don't know if you can say that about many many running running challenges that aren't that aren't races anyway um so that makes that one so special um but yeah it's all it's all good fun and there's it just shows how many how many great adventures there are to be had even even on this little island oh yeah i mean for sure i think you know just one comment on on record breaking just my own sort of observation is that you know what you broke that record and that that's always yours what whatever happens you, you broke that record that Your is true you never take that away although someone else might have a different time they will never ever be able to take away that bit yes yeah that is true yeah that is true and i can't you know i can't deny it's not you know immensely kind of rewarding and satisfying um um yeah you, you are proud of it um you know I, I suppose sometimes when you finish and you're very tired often actually for a while especially on the southwest coast path all i could think of was ha- how it could have been better um and i think that's because you're so tired but i did read steve birkinshaw's book um there is no map in hell about uh the wainwrights and and that was his feeling um because that one's about it's about six days i think currently it's six days six hours he would have run it a little bit longer um but you just get so exhausted that you're not immediately afterwards it's hard to be too sort of jubilant and satisfied really you're often quite down on yourself um with those longer ones where you've really neglected sleep um but yeah yeah i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna complain it's it's um yeah it's quite cool to have, have created a, a tiny bit of a tiny bit of history although yeah with the pen way one so much help from people um i wasn't really used to that but i had a you know a full team of, of support runners and road crew and I, I hadn't actually done anything with a full team of crew before and it's it's good and bad i mean it's wonderful to share it with people especially last year where we weren't really being very social uh and there weren't many races i realized the social element actually felt really important and it was great to share share that um but it did it did if i'm honest take away a bit of the sense of sort of independence and 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 sort of pride of self-reliance and self of you know um what what's the word I'm looking for? Well, self self reliance, self empowerment, because it was you know people were helping me a lot. But you probably can't have it both ways. Um, but yeah, I've set some records, you know, just just on my own, and, and I'm not going to say they're more satisfying, but there's a different type of satisfaction to doing that, I suppose. Yeah, putting on a pack, a bigger pack, carrying everything you need for X number of hours or days. Yeah, you know, it is it is different. But as you say, you know, the the way that those particular events are constructed now that's that's the way you do it yeah and both john and, and and then mike hartley way back when um you know they had teams helping them for example i calculated um i forget how many exactly but there are over 200 gates on the pennine way so if you think how much you might slow slow down open a gate speed up again maybe maybe factor in cold wet hands or or the gate latch being yeah. being um big catching if it's 10 seconds which might be generous but if it's 10 seconds i calculated if you didn't have to open 10 you know if you didn't have to open any gates you could actually say 47 minutes on the pennine way and that's huge yeah um yeah. but and at first i was like wow i could make up 47 minutes but then i was like oh well no because john had people helping him and so did mike so they probably so i probably needed that just to stay even on the 47 minutes um so those tiny little things um yeah i, I guess it's one of the big cliches about this sport, really, that the, the tiny little things all add up. Um, so yeah, that that does that does help. Um, 
and yeah having a crew having runners is it's it's morale it's it's carrying food and drink for you carrying carrying a jacket carrying your sandwiches uh some navigation taking some of that mental stress away kicking your butt when you need it i did have i was very lucky to have nikki nikki spinks there with me and she was there just at the right moment twice actually to 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 give me a good kick up the butt um yeah no it was definitely definitely a team effort yeah so in i mean there are inevitable dark moments in when you're doing something like that lack of sleep effort the whole the whole picture what um what, what did she do for you what did nikki do for you i think firstly it's kind of her aura um for those who don't know yeah i mean nikki spinks she's a serial fell running record breaker specializing in the longer stuff um for example you know the, the people have probably heard of the Bob Graham round. She's got the record for doing the double Bob Graham round. She's no one has ever done a double Paddy Buckley round or a double Charlie Ramsey round except her. Um, so she, she sort of goes, Oh, that you think that's tough. I'll just double it. Um, <laughs> and these things, these things take over two days, you know, of almost no sleep up and down mountains, um, you know, 60, 70, 80 mountains. Like uh, it's just phenomenal what she does. So, uh, and she's a, you know, two-time cancer survivor. She's just, you know, so when you see, and she's a, yeah, a dairy farmer. So, you know, not, not the most sort of, um, what's the word, not the most relaxing desk job either. You know, she, she's absolutely nailed. So, so A, if she's prepared to give up her time for you, uh, you feel pretty chuffed with that and flattered. And then B, just having her there, you kind of think, you know, she's really, she's really serious about, she, she, she's got a sort of mantra, which is, um, it's a job, not a jolly. So she doesn't turn up to have fun with people and run and have a laugh. She's there to do you, you know, to ensure you do your absolute best setting this record. Uh, and I kind of knew that, kind of knew that, but I, you know, I hadn't, hadn't done something like this before, but it was kind of luck, but because she, you know, geographically where she lives, it was more convenient for her to turn up at these two, two moments. So the very last leg and also the second night, which I always knew would be the most, difficult time because you've gone through one night without sleep and and quite a lot of us if we've done that a few times it's not too difficult to do that again but to carry on and then go for a second night that's usually where it really you know your body just goes hold on uh what are we doing um but she was there for me during that spell and i i quite wanted to sleep and i i, I don't think she said you shouldn't or you can't but she sort of intimated at, mm, should we really let's keep going kept feeding me with sweets so there's a difference as well between I think a really experienced support runner, well, a, a good support runner is going to say, oh, are you eating enough? Are you drinking enough? But a really experienced one isn't just saying that. They're, they're pretty much handing it to you, almost putting it in your mouth because yeah. they can tell you're not. Uh, and especially by that stage, yeah, I mean, all food seemed like a, a chore. I didn't want things in my mouth. Um, but she was very consistent and, and persistent uh, that I needed, you know, drink some Coke. Have some, I don't, you know, I don't really like sweets and Coke, but that was pretty much all that was going in at the time. So she was very, you know, have some more of this. Have you tried this? Um, but also, yeah, just thinking, oh, Nikki's here. I can't, I can't kind of let her down. I can't be a wimp. Um, and then she returned for the last leg and, you know, things were going quite well. I was, uh, but I'd actually on the previous spell lost a load of time. And for a long time, I'd had a, a three hour cushion, which I was really happy with and, and thought, you know, breaking the record by three hours, that's, that's a comfortable amount that not comfortable, sorry, but a, a good amount that I would be really proud of, really pleased with. But I was sort of letting it slide. I'd become uh, complacent, tired, taking my eye off the ball. Um, and she turned up and I kind of casually said, Nikki, there's still a chance we could make three hours. Um, 
and, and she sort of snapped into sort of um, commando mode and she asked for my asked to see my schedule and, and she wasn't she didn't look at it she just put it away because she didn't want me to look at it and off she off she shot um and i just tried to keep up there for three hours um and you know she she's 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 in her 50s early 50s now um but i you know she really <laughs> she kicked my butt she really worked uh she looked like she was hardly sweating or breathing but i certainly was and and i I had, I had these fantasies of the last few hours being like this um, fun kind of moving party of friends enjoying success together. And it was nothing like that at all. It was um, a hell for leather dash. And I shouted once or twice, um, you know, kind of slow down, Nikki. We don't need to go this fast. Do you hate me, Nikki? I was getting, I was quite, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think without her, I think I could have still broken the record, but I don't, it wouldn't have been by three hours. She'd possibly, you know, she possibly is responsible for one of those hours or the best part of one of those hours, if I'm honest. Um, mm. So she was a huge asset. Thank you, Nikki. Wow, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. Um, but, but, but nonetheless, you know, having someone there saying things, feeding you, you know, taking away some of the load, if you like, of, of thinking, oh, I've got to fiddle around trying to get a suite out of my pocket or whatever it might be. But, but you've still got to do this um what what is it that you think you've got that keeps you going um yeah good question um i guess again i've been thinking about there's a few things uh i suppose when it gets when it gets difficult especially at night or whatever i mean i, I do think parents have an advantage I do, I do think of my kids um and kind of wanting to wanting them to be proud of me if i'm honest wanting to impress them I mean, they're not impressed. Uh, they're not particularly interested, but maybe one day they will be. Um, I've had some fun conversations with some other some other runners, and they say their kids, you know, when they've DNF'd in a race, their kids, when they're a bit older, start quizzing them on sort of, um, oh, so why did you drop out, Daddy? And they'll be like, kind of, uh, oh, I, yeah, I, I was injured. Oh, what's your injury, Daddy? Oh, uh, oh, it's all right. It's better now. Uh, you know, so kids can be quite, you know, they, they can be the harshest critics, can't they? So. I would, you know, I don't want to ever have that conversation where they're interrogating me. And sometimes I do get into this mindset where I imagine the next day I'm at dinner or breakfast at the table and they say, did you try as hard as you could, daddy? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I want to be able to say, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, and that, yeah, I find that really, really motivating for me. Um, I guess there are some other things like, I suppose I brought, yeah, brought the sort of the politics into it, the, the, the climate change stuff. And that motivated me a lot because I felt, um, you know, I'm trying, I suppose I'm trying to bring some sort of message along with this. Um, that message will be more effective if I do well. Um, so that was very motivating. Um, I had, yeah, I had a sort of Extinction Rebellion flag in the, in the van and um, uh, I'd written, uh, I'd written sort of, yeah, FFF on my forearm at the last minute in a, in a permanent marker. Uh, which stood for kind of friends, friends, family, future. Um, I suppose that the, the friends aspect of that was simply how many people were turning up to help me. So that was motivating as well. You, you kind of think, you know, what's his name turned up at 4am to meet me halfway up a mountain. I can't let him down now, you know, just because I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself or a bit tired. I've still got to, I'm working for them. Um, so that gives you loads of motivation, you know. And then also I have my friends, Matt and Ellie uh, from Summit Fever Media making a film and you're kind of like, yeah we don't want the i don't want the film to be too rubbish i don't want it about me you know me failing so that that can be quite a motivator as well um 
and in fact i'm quite lucky that you know they're really good friends of mine and they, they do film a few of my things and and they all so far have all gone well and i do think it is partly like thinking yeah if you're lazy now uh, and don't do what you you know what what you don't succeed um you know there's still probably going to be a film about it do you want that film to be you succeeding or you not succeeding um and that's quite motivating uh as well so uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff um a lot of stuff there um i'd say in um in in i think it was the the innovate um short film you, you almost seem surprised at the end that there were people there to cheer and celebrate yeah no that was really really moving and really touching actually um yeah, I wasn't expecting. So we were, for context, I suppose, we were just sort of coming out of lockdown. I can't remember what the rules were. I think you could, I think you could be with, uh, you could certainly run with five other people. Um, but yeah, it still wasn't, you know, crowds weren't coming together for sporting events. You know, it, it, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're back in harsher lockdown now. But um, so there was the lockdown element. And then there was also the kind of, well, you know, I just wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't assume but Edel isn't really on the way to anywhere at all like it's a tiny village for those who, for those who know it. it's a small village in the Peak District it doesn't you I think you can't even drive through it you can sort of drive past it but even then you're sort of out in the sticks like you wouldn't really go there you wouldn't sort of call in um so when I got there and and I may be exaggerating but in my head there's you know 40 40 people maybe or something um you know some familiar faces from maybe the spine race or, or people I know who live locally um, but some people I, I didn't know at all and, and I don't know how far they'd come. I, I, there was one friend there who I didn't know was going to be there. He'd come all the way from Liverpool. Um, yeah, that, and John, John Kelly had come up from, from Somerset. So, you know, a whole, um, brought his family. So that was, yeah. So, and, and on top of that, there was, um, yeah, fell running legends, Martin Stone, Mike, Mike Hartley was there, but he, he'd already seen me at the Town Hill Inn, but he'd come a long way. Um, Mark, Mark Hartel and Mark, uh, uh, I think it's Mark McDonald, Mark McDermott, who is sort of foreign running legends I've seen on um, numerous kind of records down the years. I'm just so flattered. Um, and it was, yeah, incredibly emotional. I was, I mean, I was, yeah, I was tired. <laughs> I was tired, but I was sort of gobsmacked by it. I, did, I sort of didn't know what to say actually to, to people. And I was introduced to yeah, people. And, and, and I, I, I think I was just grinning like a fool because I was, you know, happy, but exhausted as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was an amazing moment. And yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone who came. Well, yeah, I think that, you know, you, you've inspired a lot of people. And, and as seems to be the way in the, the ultra running world, you know, all the people I've spoken to and you know, very modest, very humble. Um, and, and you mentioned before about this, this willingness to, to help each other out. And I think that's that seems to be quite unique to to this type of running. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of other sports and and if there's a sort of comparable example, but maybe it just doesn't really work in most other sports. So I suppose often the nearest thing is is long distance cycling, isn't it? But I, d I don't know enough about the sport. I don't really know if people. I don't think they tend to do that. I don't know enough about uh, long distance cycling. Um, um, and I come from, yeah, I come from team sports really. Uh, and that intrigued me as well when I've, when I've been writing this book was, was, um, in fact, the, the editor early on said, you, you, you should pull out this theme a bit more, this kind of 
solo is it a solo sport or a team sport because sometimes it feels very solo and I, and I actually really love that aspect of it having done team sport for many years where um, obviously there's great satisfaction when a whole team works together and gets a good result but it can easily be the other way around as well where you feel you let the team down um, I've missed you know I've missed a few missed a few penalties in my time um, actually no I've never missed them they were always saved but yeah <laughs> two, two or three times um, but or you, yeah, you miscontrol a pass and you can feel really, um, yeah, that, it's funny actually looking back. I, I, um, I've, I've got that sort of mindset where I'm, I'm more likely to remember the misplaced passes and, and the missed penalties than, than um, the things that I've done well, if I'm honest. Um, but then when it comes to solo stuff, suddenly it felt really um, emancipating uh, to, to, to not have that to worry about. To, to, you, it's only on you, only you really care um you know you, you you do sort of get in what you get at what you put in get out what you put in to an extent um and and yeah no one's no one's making you train no, you're not letting the team down it's quite um i really enjoyed that and then but then you have got these opportunities to turn it back into a team sport um uh which is nice which is nice as well though i suppose it could you know yeah if it hadn't gone so well there would be a sense of letting letting people down quite quite a heavy one actually um you know people my crew, especially, I end up with um, yeah, three three main crew people, but other people chipping in, and you know they they'd given up three four days um, for this. They weren't sleeping, um, and so on. There were there were head injuries amongst them. There were um, uh, punctured tires. You know they they had plenty of drama going on. Um, yeah, so it was it was a yeah incredible. It's that is incredible about the sport. And, and in my book, I did make an effort to interview some people who were sort of serial crew crewers who um, for various reasons, they get more involved in the crewing than the running. Um, and I was trying to work out, you know, what, I suppose, what, how did you get into it? What makes you good at it? Um, what do you get out of it? Um, and it was really interesting to hear people's, people's stories because especially, I mean, a lot of the time, you know, they, 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 there's a lot of pressure on them to yeah, be in a particular place, um, have, have, for me anyway, a, a tea, nice and warm but not too hot not too cold uh you know with with non-dairy milk in and so on um uh and they don't always know exactly what time i'm coming and then i'm yeah i'm there for a minute and a half um i probably don't say thanks and off i go and i probably don't want half the food they prepared um you know uh you've got to be a special type of person who's going to do that for two nights in a row um so it's yeah it's incredible that the, the things people will, will do um and i've got i've started to try and hopefully pay back i've done a paste a few people since my pen and way run but i've definitely got a long way a long way to go in, in paying paying back that karma yeah well i suppose they they have a, a passion for well they they care they they must i mean the people that run with you they've got to be decent runners um and perhaps a, perhaps they have a passion for logistics and and because there's a lot of detail isn't there you know you're going to be at a certain point in the middle of nowhere at a certain time pitch black they've got to set something up to be available for you well uh, of the people i interviewed about this actually one of them um charmian heaton uh who who's who cruised for nikki spinks a lot um and um and is also the chair i was going to say chairperson but she prefers chairman of the Fellrunners Association. And, and yeah, she's an ex-accountant. And she says she loves the spreadsheets. She loves the logistics. She loves working out who's going to 
you know, who's going to pick up who and take them to there. And that she loves that. Um, one of the other guys, Jess, Jess Palmer, who, who stepped in and crewed me for a little while to give my other main crew a, a rest. Um, his background was a psychiatric nurse. And he did make, you know, he did make the sort of half joke that, you know, trying to look after, you know, the, the, his work was very similar, actually, to trying to suss out, you know, my mental state and, um, and you know, dream me up and keep me going. Um, uh, and you do, you know, you do go to some strange places uh, mentally. Um, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then, and then also chatted to Nikki Ligo about it, who crewed both me and John. And she, she has more of a medical background um she she is a, a doctor um but she was different again her her first interest was she loves the pennine way like she her obsession is the pennine way like she works on the spine race every year but she hasn't worked on any other ultra races it's it's nearly all about the pennine way um so yeah yeah different people but some of the same appeal and they I, ultimately they're all just yeah really incredibly generous people um it's wonderful that they'll chip in and do yeah the least appealing part of part of it all um for you know for no no real obvious reward or payment um but they all say they they found it found it very satisfying if, if things go well and they get thanks then you know they know they did their bit and that not many people could do that bit as well as as well as them so there's some satisfaction to be had there i think but it's still yeah still it's still incredible yeah yeah no absolutely of course these you know the the events these things i mean you've got a, a long list of of things that you've done events and, and races and, and all the rest utmb and spine race and dragons back and all, all the rest of it but but they're the sort of the tip of the iceberg aren't they you know underneath that you've got your day-to-day -day living and how you look after yourself and so how, how do you keep yourself going how do you keep or rather how do you keep well so that you can do these things consistently i mean i mean that's something i think about more and more because i'm i'm 45 now and and um realistically i'm not going to be as competitive um you know maybe fairly soon as I, as i have been um although it's you know on the international stage um i was never winning races i mean i placed second in, in one international race but but yeah i could i could usually get in the top 10 in an ultra trail world tour race but i was never troubling troubling the 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 front three or troubling the winner um but so that I suppose that's yeah that's the level I, I was at um, or am at hopefully. Um, so yeah, I'm very interested in how can I uh, not decline. Um, I mean, I do lots of things. For example, I do quite a lot of strength work with with primarily with a company called Strength for Endurance, um, who are, who are based in Bath. But every as with most things now, it's it's all online. Um, I've been working with them for well over a year. I have I have a good coach myself in, in David Roach, uh, the sort of American uh, super coach. Um, and he's he's very knowledgeable. Um, you know, he, he does target, he does cater for my age in, in, in the training. I do do less volume than I used to. Um, what else do I do? I, I suppose, yeah, I, I mean, I rarely, I rarely drink alcohol. Um, I'll, eat, I'll comfortably go several months without it. Um, I guess, I mean, I do try and sleep well. Um, you know, I try to get seven, seven, eight, nine hours, you know, it doesn't always happen, but, but I'm quite, I do, I mean, I only have three things in my life. It's, it's, you know, running work or family. I don't really have, I mean, again, we're speaking in lockdown, most of us don't have a real social life at the moment, but, but even when that opens up, I mean, this, this is, at the moment, this is kind of how my social life is normally. Um, 
and that's totally totally fine and all my choice um and and it was interesting i gave a talk actually about this time last year and i asked the audience kind of like and they were mostly runners uh but like how many people you know you've got a choice go to the pub with your mates or get your daily run in you know which one are you going for and and i would i would almost always do the run um i mean you could i suppose you could run to the pub and back but um <laughs> but um but it was interesting I, I can't remember the split in the audience but it you know there was a decent split um whether it's 50 50 i'm not sure but um i guess i'm yeah i'm so into the running that i i, I guess I, yeah phone roll uh, when we can i go and see a physio regularly um i guess i, I do speak to i actually coach Rini mcgregor who's a sports dietitian so i can get her advice um especially as i've sort of turned to a, a more plant-based diet i didn't want to sort of miss a you know miss a trick there because quite a few people do according to her anyway you know it, it's often not quite getting enough calories in um and and yeah you know you've got to be careful with obviously protein iron uh vitamin vitamin b12 and, and maybe vitamin d um one or two other things um so yeah i guess also i am very serious about it and, and that's partly because i know uh, yeah if i was in my 20s or early 30s I probably would i reckon i'd be less serious about it because i'd think oh i've got years of this whereas at the moment i think I guess each year, I think this could be my last year of really, I suppose, achieving stuff. Not that that's my ultimate thing, but that does motivate me. Um, so I think, I think that, yeah, that idea of just trying to squeeze every last drop out of my very, very mediocre uh, talents, uh, if it can even be called that, um, motivates me a lot, uh, really. Yeah, yeah, it's a combination of those things. And, and, and what about recovery? Because this, this seems to be um, an area that's often up for debate and people just seem to have to find their own way. Have you, you found a way of recovering in your own view? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, there's a great book actually called uh, Good to Go, but I forget the name, Christine something. She's a, a, an American, American journalist with a slightly German name. Um, she analyzes all these, all these different recovery techniques, uh, you know, ice bars and compression wear and protein shakes and um you can probably guess the conclusion that it's kind of like most of them don't really make much difference but you should definitely sleep a bunch mm. um it's quite a good book but yeah i do i do believe in phone rolling um so after a big race uh i'm definitely, it's definitely off or, or or more um there's no rushing no rushing back into it i remember i used to see people you know sort of doing the spine race and be out running the next day and um i mean that's kind of well, that was impossible for me both times, but um, that's kind of, that's madness, really. I mean, I, I, I'm very respectful when it comes to 100 miles or going through the night, um, very respectful of the effort. Um, often it's internal, I think, like your legs might feel like they've recovered, the, you know, the muscular recovery, but the internal stuff, um, it's more difficult to judge and, and people do get, you know, do get in genuine trouble, um, you know, with, with fatigue. Um, so I'm, I'm very respectful of that um i suppose eat well you know eat, eat well as soon as you come in after a run i definitely don't i'm a big i suppose if i'm honest i'm a big critic of of yeah the the the, the low carb high fat ideas and fasted running um i i think increasingly yeah a few years ago they seemed appealing i, I dabbled a bit as well i bought some books and so on and tried it out a bit but now you know more more and more studies have come out showing for various reasons that's really unwise um so i definitely don't do that i have lots of carbs both, you know, both quality and, you know, I, I eat a fair bit of chocolate. Um, so I suppose it's fueling well, sleeping. 
um, being respectful of the efforts. And I don't do huge mileage anymore. I suppose I did for a year or two, you know, up in the sort of 80, 90 miles quite regularly. Now I'm much more commonly, I do put it all on Strava, but I'm much more commonly in the sort of 60, 60, 65 to sort of, you know, a lot of my weeks are below 70. Um, whereas before that would have been an easy week for me would have been 70, 75. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of realistic that, that you can't just sort of do high volume all the time. And, and especially as you age, probably. Um, yeah. And then I think there's the more hippie angles, I suppose that I just, just love it. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess you've got to love it if you're out running regularly, really, it'd be surprising if you didn't, but, um, I suppose I'm in it for the, for the process, for the, for the enjoyment of it from getting out each day. Um, yeah that kind of thing which i think keeps it hopefully in a healthy a healthy state some sort of healthy balance hopefully hopefully i mean don't you don't always get it right as well i think you, you can forgive yourself a bit um maybe there were some times where i should have done something socially or, or with family instead of you know instead of going for a run um that's probably that's probably true um but i suppose i i suppose forgiving yourself that i suppose um um yeah balance is a, is a yeah it's a loaded word isn't it it's 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 um it's hard to know if you've got the balance totally right and and but it's a nice word to nice word to to, to think about anyway <laughs> aspire to i guess the the people close to us often tell us um how balanced we are or not yes yes they probably are the best people to <laughs> to check in with and yeah, yeah. My my wife probably isn't isn't um, isn't afraid to tell me if 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 I if if she thinks I've got that wrong. So um, that's probably quite good for me, I suppose. Because um, yeah, I, I I probably there's certainly been spells probably where I could have yeah gone out more, and, but maybe I'd have got injured. You know, um, yeah, yeah. They they keep your graphene feet on the floor. <laughs> good, good. Good plugs there. Good. Um, yes, mostly. And I mean, I don't know what it's like for other people, if I'm honest, but when I come back from these things, um, it's not like there are banners outside the house and, and cheering, cheer, you know, and everyone's cheering and asking how it went. Like, usually pretty much, you know, what I've done is pretty much ignored. Um, but I think that's probably, yeah, that's probably healthiest um, in that, you know, my kids, all my kids knew really that I was away for three or four days. They didn't... Um, you know they, they got a vague idea of doing some running thing but they you know they're not they're not that interested um which is probably yeah it's probably good for me because it's it's, it's my thing and i need to you know i need to think about them and be a, be a come back and be a father for them really yeah i was i was chatting to someone earlier we we were talking about parenting and the fact that you know obviously we're all trying to do our best in our own in our own way but you don't really find out about that until some years later maybe many years later and but you're right in to, you know you're trying to create a story and a legacy where they go actually dad did this stuff and that that really says that we can do things we can achieve things we can go on adventures we can try hard and other important characteristics yes i think so and there's a couple of other elements to that i think that you know you could use this to be, you could use this argument to be too selfish, but you know, I'm happier if I'm out, you know, if I go running regularly, I'm a happier person around the house and, and hopefully a better person and a better parent. Um, 
yes, you could, yeah, you could definitely stretch that too far, but I think there's some truth in that. Also, I, I kind of think, and I don't know if I, I'd be a bit worried about asking my parents this, but like, if I felt that they had really held back from something that, that they were really passionate about and, and never tried because, you know, I suppose because that would get in the way of being a parent, that would be, that would be a bit upsetting, I think. Um, I mean, it looks to me like my parents have lived fairly, fairly full, full and varied and exciting lives. Um, yeah, it's maybe too late to, too late to ask them, uh, but it would be a shame, wouldn't it? I think, you know, if I suddenly said, oh, you know, well, if they suddenly said to me, oh, I would have loved to go sailing a bit more, you know, I'd love to, I don't know, sail to America, but I never felt I could because, because I was a, being a parent. Um, and that would be, that would make me a bit sad. Um, I'd wish they had, you know, had been able to, um, I suppose. But then I would think that, I suppose, because it fits in with the semi-selfish stuff that, that I like to do. So, yeah. I think runners can always be accused of being selfish, but what comes across strongly is actually you, you do care a lot about other people. Oh, well, uh, do I? <laughs> I, hope, I hope I do. Uh, yeah, that's not always, not always the, discount, the, the discourse in my, in my household. Um, um, ho hopefully I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm recently energised certainly about, I suppose, planetary uh, pl climate stuff. Um, that worries me a lot. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's always a balance, isn't it? Because you could be incredibly... You know, if you thought, if you totally prioritized your, ch prioritized your children, I, you know, I'd never go running. I'd always be there for them. Um, but how healthy would that be uh, for me, you know, for my mindset, for, for my, you know, physical health as well? Um, so, yeah, probably back to that word, back to that word balance, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But um, within all of that, I mean, you've mentioned that your coaching, I mean, so much to offer there, you know, your, your experience um you know you you've planned and trained and done all these things and and now you can offer that to others so it comes under that same category you know you care about this you care about others wanting to achieve what they want to achieve what well, how much coaching do you do and um yeah thank you thank you for mentioning that um yeah that it sort of happened by by accident um i i've usually had a coach throughout most of this i've had a few different coaches um not because I fall out with them. It's more, it was usually a, a short-term agreement because often I didn't have enough, enough money. Um, but yeah, when, as I started to do well at UTMB, people especially wanted to do UTMB races started approaching me. And at first I would say, oh no, I'm not a coach. Go, you know, try this person, try that person. And then one or two of them were quite, quite insistent. And they said, no, no, I, I want to be coached by you. I want to know what you know. Um, and I kind of said, well, okay, I'll try my best. I'm not, you know, I'm not a qualified coach, but I'll, I'll, let, let's give it a go. And I suppose over time, um, well, I've done, I've done a qualification from UK Athletics. Um, and then I, I suppose I've had these different coaches myself. So I've seen how they work and, and what I've liked about that and, and what I thought maybe didn't work so well. So I've gone from, yeah, literally one or two clients to, um, I actually don't know quite how many I've got, but I've got more than, more than ever. Um, and I've actually got a small waiting list because I, I you know, I can't, it'd be unfair of me, I think, to take any more on at the moment because um, it would be unfair on my current clients. Um, and I, yeah, I absolutely love it. It's, it's fascinating getting to know a little bit, you know, such different people, different motivations, um, different, you know, yeah, different, different sort of goals, you know, um, different reactions, different, I, I love it sometimes, um, 
you know, people after their run sometimes write me whole essays about, about how they felt on their run. And um, I just lo I love that when they're just sort of so full of joy and they realize, you know, you know, they, they love the process, you know, getting out there and running is, is, you know, is the end goal, not so much the race result or, or the, or the PB. Um, and I think people who, people who approach it, they think of it like that. Um, yeah. They're going to have ha happy, a happier time running and probably a more productive, you know, and more longevity um, probably. Um, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. All these different, yeah. Just such different people. Um, and it's been intriguing as well during these lockdowns. Um, I suppose sometimes in a way getting to know people a bit more, like some people were, some people got really demotivated, which is totally understandable. And I did for a bit. Um, and, and some people got like extra motivated and, um, you know, there was some people had more time to train, didn't they? Cause they're not commuting. Yeah. So they may be doing more strength work and wanting to do more miles. Um, and that's been, yeah, the whole thing has been fascinating. And, and, and I am learning as I go, but um, I feel I've got some, some decent ideas that, that seem to work um, for quite a lot of people. Um, and lately I've been, what's been fascinating for some of my female clients, I've been, I'm lucky again, as I say, yeah, Rini McGregor, I, I coach her and, and she's a friend and um, she's been guiding me a bit on sort of sinking, you know, um, my female clients sort of menstrual cycle sort of sinking the training to that um and for some people that won't necessarily work much but for some people it could be quite effective and it yeah it really feels like that's helping progress um some people and they're getting adaptations from it um so so yeah there are so many different fascinating aspects of, of coaching and working with people and sometimes it's the psychological aspects and and again i'm not qualified in that but i'm you know, I've spoken to a sports psychologist a few times and I, and I, and I know where I can go for help for that. Um, and sometimes it's, you even get occasionally into elements of life coaching, which, you know, makes me, makes me a bit uncomfortable, but um, um, it's just fascinating. You're just getting to know people, I suppose, and, 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 and trying to, trying to help them improve. So yeah, I absolutely love it actually. Yeah. So it sounds very much like your philosophy is, is what I call person first. So very much looking at that individual and, and their story and what they want to achieve and then helping them to create tools to, to move forward. Yes. Yeah, I, I, someone did ask me for my philosophy a while ago and I think I came up with, um, I think, yeah, communication. I can't, can't quite remember. <laughs> I think communication, I said communication was really important, enjoyment and I suppose consistency. Um, and that doesn't mean yeah, I think consistency is really important, but it doesn't mean the same distance every day and the same volume every week. It actually, to me, means knowing when to back off and, and knowing, actually, I've got a slight niggle or a slight concern or I'm, I'm a bit too tired to do my intervals today. I'm going to do them another day or I'm not going to run today. To me, that actually is consistency because those people who can do that end up getting three, six, nine months of uninterrupted training, whereas people who can't back off sometimes you know a niggle becomes something more mm. and suddenly they're out of action for, for you know longer than they'd, they'd like um but yeah person first i mean i i um always start working with someone yeah i send them a questionnaire first and then we have a chat on the on the phone um and it's intriguing you know some people yeah some people want to do for example huge volume and sometimes it, it's about saying well actually you know probably we, we shouldn't do so much volume for such a long time, for example, or we should just be a bit smarter with it, do it at different times. And then some people almost, yeah, don't want to necessarily do any more than a certain volume, um, which is absolutely fine as well. And there are other ways to improve 
improve people. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's intriguing in lots of ways. And, and some people are just, yeah, totally motivated by just wanting, yeah, like I say, just wanting to enjoy their running, I suppose. And then some people have very ambitious race and FKT goals. Um, it's just, it's endlessly fascinating. Um, it really is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Where, where can people find out about your work and, and the forthcoming book? Where, where's the best place to find you? Uh, yeah, I think I'm quite, probably quite findable. Uh, I definitely, I quite like, I quite like Instagram. Um, it's a bit less squabbly than uh, Facebook and Twitter, although I'm on them too. Um, I do have a website. I think it's damienhall.info at the moment. Um, I'm on, yeah, I'm on most of, I'm on Strava. I'm, I'm on most things to be honest, but I, I, I probably do. I took a nice break actually over Christmas. I was moving house and writing the book and I just didn't have time for social media. And I've um, probably, I'm probably a lot health, a lot. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm being less prolific on social media now and it's probably, probably healthier because I'm, there's certainly been times, I don't know what it's like for you where, um, and especially in the lockdown, I think with, with, you know, you felt anxious about the world and, I was probably doing more social media than, than normal, or at least checking it more. Um, I don't know. Did you feel the same? Like, what's your, what's your relationship with social media? Uh, I, yeah, I, I use it a fair amount. Um, so primarily Twitter and Instagram, uh, Facebook kind of just takes, you know, automatically it sort of pops over there as well. LinkedIn. Mm. Um, so yeah, I do use it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 like most things it's pros and cons isn't it and there are lots of positive things about it um um but yeah i'm on i'm on i'm probably easy to find on, on most things um but yeah by but yeah by all means by all means get in touch um uh anyone or if if uh or steer clear of me uh which maybe maybe even smarter <laughs> and and the book when is there a date for that or I'm pretty sure it's early May, um, the first week of May. Um, it's, uh, yeah, Vertebrate Publishing and um, early May. It's called In It, In it for the Long Run, but it's um, even more, it, probably even more self-indulgent and tedious than, than the stuff I've been saying for the last hour. So I, I would ignore it, uh, <laughs> anyone who's listening. Uh, steer clear of it. I think, I think that's highly, highly unlikely. But anyway, anyway, well, good luck with, um, with all of that. And um, is, is there anywhere else you, you need to mention or any sort of future adventures or both? Oh, thank you. I mean, if I could do a, a clunky plug for my main, my main sponsor, Innovate, um, they, have, they have great kit and shoes. Um, and well, why I'm so thrilled that I'm working with Innovate is because they are thinking about the right sorts of things in terms of you know, sustainability and they're working, they're working very hard and out on that. Um, and and, and were before I even sort of brought it up with them. Um, and a lot of the things that we think are quite simple aren't nearly as simple. Uh, for example, like, you know, one of these nice ideas is, is a company should know its supply chain and, and, and make it sustainable, make it as sustainable as possible. Um, and that's just, it's just a lot harder than, than we realize, for example, you know, that, that all that most of their supply chain is, is, you know, in China and, and some shoes have, well over 100 even up to 200 separate parts wow. um so that's a it's a lot of work it doesn't mean they're not going to do it but i um please be assured innovate are yeah i feel really assured that they're 
trying to do the right things. Um, it's just, it is difficult and it takes resources as well. Um, but they, they, yeah, they definitely care about the right things. Um, and that's the main, yeah, that's, that's more of a reason to be with them and, and for people to buy from them if they need new things. Although I would say the caveat of, of I've been as guilty as most people in the last few years of sort of over consuming and thinking I'll need the new thing when, when sometimes I don't. And, and often the, the, the kit you've already got is, 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 is perfectly adequate. Um, so I'm probably probably not being a good ambassador by saying that, but um, I, I feel we're, we're both we, we established at the start that we're both sitting here wearing innovate stuff. Yes, uh, as it happens. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, there's stuff you know, yeah, it's designed to last anyway, and and usually is pretty pretty good at that. Um, but yeah, if I could clunkily clunkily promote my my main sponsor there, that, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Good. And uh, any any planned adventures? Oh yeah, I was trying to ignore that one. Um, you, you, yes. can, you can not announce it if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I do have, um, I do have a, a, a scheme that's uh, bubbling away in a pot. Yes, um, I guess it'll get a lot. It'll depend basically when we're allowed out to play. But I hope to have a go at a record in about April or May, if we're allowed um, a record that stood in, in Britain that stood for quite a long time, um, and that's all i yeah that's all i'd like to say on that for now but but yeah um hopefully hopefully we're allowed out and, and can have a go fantastic well something to uh, very much look forward to to watching and i hope that we can meet up at some point um i notice now it's got dark and i'm sitting here in the dark <laughs> your, your light on so but you can't see me now no are you still there i am still here you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> um so listen Damien, Damo, it's been fantastic to hear your stories and, and insights. So uh, thanks for that. That's been brilliant. And um, maybe we can catch up again later in the year when, um, when you've done some more things. Absolutely. That would be lovely. Thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure. Pleasure. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>